This is The Verse, a weekly dive into the cinematic universes and beyond. We'll dissect the latest episodes, films, and news all fans from veterans to news are dying to know more about. Now, here's our team of pop culture superheroes we call The Verse Squad. Welcome to The Verse. Welcome back to The Verse, the podcast that wanted to send the severed heads of our vanquished enemies to you, our fans. Uh, but we were advised it would come off as a little passive-aggressive. On today's episode, we head to the USS Titan to catch up with the latest Star Trek series, Picard. Plus, we're going to cover some news. Hooray! Kari's back. Uh, wait, what was that? Our announcer, uh, Kari Loya. You can find him at kariloyavo.com. He's returned for our intro. I am so happy. He sounds incredible. Much better than that two-bit replacement. You're right, guys. I should never have tried to replace him. Damn right. Can I finally go home now? Yep. You're in the clear, Kari. So, Norm, you're saying you actually hit the record button this time? All set. You're not going to be calling me back next week, and the week after that, and the week after that. Sorry, Kari. Uh, Norm's not great with technology. That explains a lot. Okay, Kari, step into Escape Pod 47, and I'll send you back down to your family on Earth. Perfect. I'd love to rest my legs. Please thank BB for her support. Okay, until next time, I'll see you in the verse. Bye, Kari. Bye. Have fun storming the, the castle. Great guy. Oh, uh, we better get things going. Uh, let's meet the team. I'm Norm. I'm Lucas. Wait a minute. Speaking of BB, where is she? Oh, um, she left a note. <clears throat> I'm sorry, squad. Had to go on an important mission. And whatever you do, do not ever, ever. <clears throat> it just ends there. Oh, well, let's do the news. Yeah, uh, that, that's probably not important. Although maybe we should figure out what she's warning us about. But hey, we got the news to do, so I'm Emilia, and this is The Verse News, where we bring you the latest in TV, film, pop culture, and superhero news from across the cinematic universes and beyond. Let's see what The Verse Squad has come up with this week. Well, you know, um, it's kind of been my beat because I'm like the only person who knew about it and cared. But they dropped the trailer for Blue Beetle this week. Um, if you want to see it, it's already up on our Twitter feed. Uh, and I got to say, I, I said that this was going to be a good film. And I'm telling you, looking at the trailer, I still believe this is going to be a good film. I think DC is going to get it right on this one. I am looking forward to yeah, seeing I, that. Yeah. I watched the trailer on the Twitter feed. That's how I discovered it. And uh, I got to say that the... Trailer looks pretty solid. The animation, the, all the graphics, whatever, look good for the the suit and uh, all the actors. You know, you could tell well, it has a good blend of comedy and yeah. action. It seems so. Yeah. I mean, I I think they casted really well to get uh, Zolo uh, Maraduena. Mm -hmm. um, he's he he's doing great in Cobra Kai, and yeah. uh, at times he's doing that perfect balance of 
like serious and then comedy, even in Cobra Kai. Yeah. So um, I again, I think that's perfect casting for Jaime Reyes. You know what's funny though is I only watched the first two seasons of Cobra Kai, so he looks so much older. I was like, <laughs> wow, that's right, he, he, he aged. Uh, but of course he has because that they're on like season five or six at this point. Um, uh, five, I think. Five. Anyway, Five's coming out, uh, I think. Yeah, yeah, it looks good. Uh, and he's definitely some you know a an action star to watch. I always love, you know, the early in the career when you see them dabbling in that. And I'm always encouraged when they stick with it. When is that coming out? Do we know yet? Oh, uh, August 18th, I believe. Hold on. Let me, let me triple check that. Yep. August 18th. Wow, that's a while. Okay. All right. Late summer. Uh, Deep summer. I'm really excited for it. It's, it's like, it's gonna be a cross. Uh, only Lucas is probably gonna get, uh, part of this uh reference it's part iron man part uh great american hero oh yeah i, I kept asking you is it the great american it's very hero? close can't control it's very close yeah okay cool yeah no that sounds it looks fun i only know about um blue beetle from playing injustice <laughs> <laughs> well so, yeah. yeah you can play as him you can play uh, and that's Jaime reyes's blue beetle too that's not the other guy i can't remember his name off the top of my head well, uh, my news is in a different universe. You could argue is maybe also my beat or a beat of mine, perhaps Game of Thrones, Song of Ice and Fire beat. Oh, yes, I saw this. We're back with the prequel news because, you know, ages ago they had had all these prequels in the maybe in the works. And then like most of them got axed or forgotten about or whatever. Mm-hmm. But they are going to be developing there, there's another one that seems to have been it's back in the back in play, you know. Um, it's going to tell the story of uh, Aegon the Conqueror and his conquest of Westeros. So that I guess the House of the House of the Dragon did really well, and they were like people love the Targaryens apparently. <laughs> so we're gonna mm-hmm. we're gonna do more. Do uh, then, I mean yeah. I could. I consider myself an egghead, so yeah, I'm all for the egg on the concert. Um, do we know if this one is going to be animated like they originally pitched this before was going to be, or is this going to be live action? Did they announce that? It is still early stages. Uh, I assumed live action only because they were showing f- like photos of people who they'd want to cast, and it was all like live action-y, but- Oh, that was maybe just me assuming. I don't know. Because I think it's probably going to be live action, and uh, there there might be a feature film to set it up too. So okay. that to me says hmm. yeah, live action. Because because if you remember right, the first idea was it was going to be a uh, mini, an animated mini series. I mean, yeah. I personally would love to see a really good animated. Series yeah, me too. For this, like especially because we we saw this. The Spider-Verse, Across the Spider-Verse, as well as the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles uh, movies both had trailers drop in the last couple of weeks. And it's just so great to see this, the changing animation styles. I just love the the experimentation that's going on now. And I can really, we can thank uh, 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 um, the Spider-Man movie. Uh, the, which one was that? The first one. Um, Into the Spider-Verse. Into the Spider-Verse. We can thank that one for really, I think, kicking off the trend so that's I'm, I'm encouraged to see that animation seems to be getting you know a little more prevalent well and i don't i don't think the animation series have been canceled per se i think they're just still in like development hell whatever oh mm-hmm. well i mean there's a lot of 
what I'm really enjoying about animation right now is uh, for a while there, it seemed everyone was kind of trying to get the same look in animation. And now it's exploding in all these different ways. And I, Lucas, you're you're right. Part of the, that goes to, you know, um, into the Spider Verse for saying, "Hey, you don't have to stick to this. It can be weird looking. It can be different. Yeah. It can, and it can just be stylized. Have some style, yeah, yeah. What if has been wonderful as well. I loved how the What If series also had each episode kind of had its own distinct uh, animation style. And then we saw Tales of the Jedi, and yeah, the, I'm just encouraged to see all this great you know, popular animation that's just exploding now, which is great. As somebody who's always wanted more of that, um, and even Netflix and Amazon, like we, we were talking about um, Vox Machina, and, you know, there's just some, there's a lot of really, oh, and Invincible, we can't forget about Invincible. Right. Like, there's just some really great animated content on for adults that's not just for, you know, for kids. Yeah, I, I'd love to see them do more animated stuff, or in general, just like have different formats for the different shows. Mm-hmm. Cause like, you know, that they're all in the same universe, but I don't think they have to be perfectly canonical with each other. Like, I don't think it has to be like yeah. the MCU. Uh, well, like- I get worried that if you don't do this, that it just makes, it, it just oversaturates that one area instead of just branching out. Do you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. it makes it kind of stale this way. When, when you have different feels and different vibes for different stories, it actually feels like they're they can still be in the same universe because they're still telling the same tales, but it actually makes you, I think, lean in a little bit more and pay pay more attention. Yeah, and you can change the tone and the approach as well, and I think you have more leeway to do that, as we saw in uh, in What If, how there were some episodes that were really silly, almost that really worked. Yeah, yeah. I mean, although what is Game of Game of Thrones without uh, you know, a lot of murder and and, and incest. <laughs> there will be more that's, murder and incest. If, that's so, why we oh, there will be tons if uh, if they're going with Aegon the Conqueror. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah, that show is well, going to move on to Sister Wives, part of the canon. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to move on because this is the perfect uh, segue. Is this idea of different formats? Um, and I'm surprised that Emily didn't bring this up, but HBO is supposedly rebooting Harry Potter oh, as God. a TV series. Oh. I heard this, and I heard the worst rumor about it. And it's that J.K. Rowling has been pushing for this. No. Like she. Listen, I the reason why I think this could really work is because it never should have been a movie series, which they did way better than I ever expected. Uh, it should have always have been a TV series well, because each book is a se- what they're going to do is a season long sure. arc. Uh, no, I- and so you can do a, a whole school year through a season and you can do so much more exploration of the of the other characters. This- so it doesn't just have to be the the three of them. You can f- do all this diving into lore and side characters. Sure. So it lends but itself to a better th- a, a better experience. This is coming from someone who didn't read the books though. Really quickly. What? Remember the time it came out in there were Breaking Bad and The Walking Dead were not a thing where you saw mm-hmm. these really great, well done TV productions where you can be like, hey, look, you can make TV look feature film like and get away mm-hmm. with it. That didn't exist yet. So the only way these would have worked back then were in the format of Agreed. movies. Nowadays, they never would have done it right. Nowadays, that's the For case. Sure. But it's. From a lot of rambling online, and I'm not talking about like your uh, conspiracy theorists from the left or the right. I'm talking from yeah. like people close to um, JK who have been like, no, she wants to reboot this and it might be for the wrong reasons. 
Yeah, that's it might be politically charged because like, look, if you revisit, like I read the books growing up, they were a really big part of my life. I was a Harry Potter head Mm -hmm. and it was a very important part of my childhood, (laughs) Um, which is why I'm like constantly sad about Harry Potter now. But like when you revisit the books in the context of what J.K. Rowling has uh, become, like the books are a lot more regressive and conservative than they than they used to seem. Because if she had been a decent person and like been like, oh yeah, I wrote some things in such a way, but now I've learned, and then I could look back and mm-hmm. say like, okay, this is the be- this is someone's journey, this is the beginnings of their creative spirit. But now it's like this is just confirmation of all of the bad stuff, and I would not want her because if any anything Harry Potter that ever gets made until she's dead like in 70 years after she's mm-hmm. dead is going to be directly controlled by her and dire- like a a tool a political tool potentially uh a way to spread hate in some fo- shape or form and so it's just like it's just going to be sad and hard <laughs> that's what i'm scared of yeah i'm going to i'm going to wait to see kind of what actually does happen with this cuz i do think there is potential to do something pretty decent and wouldn't it be cool if it was animated? It's not. They're not going to do it. But like that's but see that's what I mean. Like there would be an opportunity to do something way more interesting and cool with this if you expanded it instead of. But you know, no, all your fears are probably going to be realized, and you're probably going to be right. I'm just I, saying. I I think uh, Emily touched on on something that that's that's 100 percent true. Again, I didn't read the books, but in in the spirit of knowing what um, J.K. has said and what she's wailed railed against. I guess you want to say, uh, I would be fine if it was somebody else stepping in being like, Hey, I think we can update this series a little bit more and make it a little bit more friendly for younger generations, uh, especially moving forward, moving, moving the needle forward. But, um, Emily is right. She's going to have complete creative control over it. She's going to make it a political tool and she's going to alienate how many millions of kids who grew up reading those books she already has alienated a good bit of them some of them still hold on and go you know these were great parts of my childhood and i'm able to like realize this set me off on my journey that doesn't mean i have to agree with her journey or how she was trying to steer it yeah and it's like it's alienating fans and it's also like unfortunately causing direct harm to a lot of to a lot of fans too because like harry potter what the fans made of it became an incredibly like this amazing queer space and then to have the roots of that just be become so rotten over time um and directly wielded against like trans and queer people is <sighs> sad <laughs> sorry i didn't mean to uh to ruin your news lucas <laughs> no that, the reason i brought it up is because i i wanted everybody's take on it and uh i do think that just from a pure format perspective this would have been the better choice but as norm said i don't if it was made that way back you know when it first came out probably wouldn't have been done right and now as you point point out emilia it's legacy is kind of tarnished so it's like it's a it's a terrible missed opportunity is what i see it as um but for me like i'm a huge fan of just books in general right i love reading and uh it's so rare for a book series that is a multi-book series to ever be translated properly to movies to the screen and that's why tv is uh, the tv format is typically a better format and so frequently it's messed up completely (laughs) i mean game of thrones was a was 
so we were so lucky we got so many good seasons from that then of course they tanked it at the end but still like it's just rare to see a really good adaptation but tv typically lends itself better to these long epics yeah and i'd like to see more and i do agree with you that my last comment on on this will be i I find it very weird that for someone who made a polyjuice potion as like a cornerstone of some of the victories that the uh that the Harry Potter side of the wizard war would win would be against trans rights. It just makes absolutely no sense to me. Well, you know, the, the, if you want, could psychoanalyze, you know, there's a lot of weird self-hatred and, and bizarre stuff going on with people who have that attitude. So I was going to say, I was like, Oh, well they only ever polyjuice potion into people of their, same gender expression. But then I remembered that in the last no, books, they, everybody turns into Harry. <laughs> I saw, I saw a really bad meme that was like, all his friends know the si- know what his anatomy looks like because they polymorphed into him. So mm. <laughs> I feel like they, they should be, there should have been like some courtesy of like, like, Hey man, <laughs> <laughs> keep the clothes on, keep it all above board. Don't like, don't go to the bathroom. <laughs> or if you do, go, guess... in, go in blindfold. <laughs> but it's like, you, you know, never mind. We don't have to think about the no. ramifications of that. <laughs> Lucas, you said you had more news, though. Is, is, are you just going to roll with the I one? did. One of them was that Joker 2 is finished filming. I didn't think it would be as controversial or as discussion-filled, and obviously... I made the right call. And then also Donald Glover was in talks about, um, uh, what's it for? Um, we were, we just did our casting of Lando Calrissian oh. and we were saying how, God, he, Donald Glover just did the best role. It's a shame we can't use him. Well, he is in talks with Disney for potentially doing a Lando show still, which is funny because I've been hearing about these talks for years now, but I'd be very excited if they did one because I think he is he's a really great choice for that from the solo movie. D- Disney has recently um, released through several different uh, like spokesmen and, and, and affiliates of, of the company that they're trying to re-examine not just the Marvel properties, but also the, mm-hmm. um, the star Wars properties to see maybe they're not going to do as they might do as many property, like as many shows, but, then, but like, they're going to try and branch it out between the characters more. So okay. I would, I would celebrate that. Mm-hmm. And is anybody excited for the Joker two one? I have, I'm still planning to see Joker one. Um, but I think, Oh, you haven't seen, it. I haven't seen it yet. Can I give you a tip I'd first like to watch it though? Yes. See King of Comedy first, which is uh, Scorsese. It's one of my favorite Scorsese movies ever made. And he he is like one of my favorite filmmakers. So this is like weights very high on my list. See that one, then go see Joker. And you'll be like, that was a pretty decent remake of King of Comedy. Like I really did not think I was going to like Joker. And I actually kind of did like it. But then at the same time, I was like, but King of Comedy is still way better. (laughs) But you know, it, it was a clever idea for him to say how do i get a remake of king of comedy made oh i'll just do a joker movie and it kind of works really well so huh. from that perspective thanks for the tip because yeah it looked like quite an interesting movie uh with a, a lot of potential commentary um and i i always love a movie that draws controversy because people like it for the wrong reasons <laughs> so i'm <laughs> yeah. excited to dig into that and then the second one just sounds like 
really weird and cool. And- yeah, I don't know how I feel about it, though, because I don't like musicals. Yeah, I was, love musicals. Th- this, this is where I chime <laughs> you in. I love it. I was like, I'm not a really big fan of musicals, let alone, like, I, I don't know if I'm ready for a Joker Harley Quinn musical. Although, I will say this, if you're going to um, cast Harley Quinn in a musical, uh, Lady Gaga is a great choice. Yeah, but not a like, bad choice. I'm, <laughs> I'm just, I'm just not okay with the idea of a Joker musical. But hey, you know what? They might, uh, they might shock me. I'm calling it now. I'm gonna wait. What? There's gonna be, it's gonna hit Broadway in like three years. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yep. <laughs> yep. But I'm gonna let you see it, Emilia, and then you can report back. And if you enjoy it, but you got to watch the first one, and then you got to watch King of Comedy first, actually. Yeah. So you have a lot of work to do. When does it come out? The second one? Uh, I don't even know if they no, announced the release date. Next uh, yeah, year. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's early next there's year. There's time. There's time. Yeah, there's time. There's time. Lots of time. Um, so, well, I also just wanted to note, like, I didn't have this as an actual news item for me, but I did want to note that Shrek might come back. <laughs> no. Wait, like another Shrek movie? <laughs> Is it going to be live action? Cause no, <laughs> no. It's, it, it would be like like Shrek 5 with okay. a lot of the original voice cast. I, it's it's being teased. It doesn't mean it's going to happen. I, I I think that it, I think that's run its course, and I think it's time for it to get put to bed. Just like Toy Story. Toy Story. I, look, I love them both. I love an incredible run. Great run. Incredible run. Let it go. Let it go. Don't don't beat it. Indiana. Don't, let yeah. It go. Don't yeah. beat a dead horse. Like uh, let it go out on top. It was a champion. Yep. Yep. Oh, there's yep. this is Disney. They. No. Nothing. Well, that's not nothing. Disney. That's Shrek. Oh, Shrek. Oh, not. my bad. My bad. It's but that is like one of their Disney. biggest money makers. <laughs> it's one of their biggest money makers, though. I was gonna say with Disney, oh. nothing is ever done until it's dead and beaten and dead again, and then, <laughs> then life pumped back into it. It's shambling corpse. Yeah, that's hence all these uh, live action movies they're making, which is just appalling to me. Mm-hmm. I think they're going to do a Moana one, and it's like... Yeah, yeah. Dwayne, like, Dwayne the Rock the Johnson. Can we just stop? Can we just stop? <laughs> they just made that movie. Uh, anyway. So, All right. is there any, does anyone have any more news? That's it. All right. Well, that was a slightly extended The Verse news. Well, it's time for Star Trek Picard coverage, so I'll be right back. Hello again, class. It's me, the Admiral. Oh, hey, Lucas. What? You recognize me? Um, of course. What are you talking about? Why would I recognize you? Uh, you're you're always confused when Lucas changes clothes. No idea what you guys are talking about. Wait a minute, Lucas. You're wearing your red shirt uniform. Oh darn! <laughs> Grabbed the wrong one. Brb. Okay, I'm back. Switched into my admiral's uniform. Oh, the admiral! I was wondering if you'd be coming. <laughs> wait till Lucas sees you. Um, wait, Lucas? Where did he go? Okay, just forget about it. Welcome back to Star Trek University. Oh, nice rebrand. Yeah, I think we were getting some legal heat about uh, Star Trek Academy now that they're making a new show called Star Trek Academy. (laughs) Um, So thank you. 
Uh, this week we'll be discussing Star Trek Picard episodes 6, 7, and 8. So let's start at the top here. Uh, episode 6, The Bounty. And what happened in this episode is now on the run, Picard and the skeleton crew of the USS Titan must break into Starfleet's most top secret facility to expose a plot that could destroy the Federation. Picard must turn to an old friend for help. So what did we all think of this episode? Um, I mean, I I want to hear what Emilia thinks only because for me as a fan and all the Easter eggs that are there, I yeah. loved it. <laughs> I thought it was fun. There was, I mean, at the end, uh, there was like, there's like the bands back together and I could, I could sense that it was very significant. <laughs> yes. I'm sure you said what you sense was correct because this was an avalanche of Easter eggs, as Norm said, but also like we got reintroduced to a lot of characters we haven't seen in a long time. Um, so that was a lot of fun. Um, I mean, we get Jordy first <sighs> off. So, so great. Well, I've seen LeVar Burton anywhere, anytime, any place. LeVar Burton shows up and I, I immediately smile. And he has eyes. So I don't know if this means anything to you, Emilia, but throughout the entire run of The Next Generation, he had to wear a visor because that was part of he was, what was kind of cool about his blind. character because he was blind, born blind. Yes. And um, and they even, one of the things in the, in the Next Generation, they said like, well, why didn't you just get new eyes can't they do that in the future and his whole thing was like no i can see better than humans like because he can see every like he could, see, he could um EMP yeah and, he would be able to see any part of the uh, light spectrum by just tuning his visor huh but now he has eyes which is great and honestly it allows you to see levar burton act <laughs> which is you know so uh, it they, was great to did see. they acknowledge in uh which movie was it Lucas. So in the in first contact, he actually did have eyes. It was the first time we saw him with eyes. Yeah. Um, but they looked a little weirder than these ones. They, this they just gave him like contacts. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but we also get uh, so Jordy. By the way, just to for the listeners, uh, Jordy is holed up repairing old ships at the Fleet Museum, which is su- it was like such a clever writing thing because it was complete like nerdgasm. For Trekkies. It was essentially an excuse to show you every old ship that you haven't seen in a while. And, you know, just kind of total fan service. But it made sense for the story, right? Because he's at the Fleet Museum. So I thought it was kind of a clever way to do that, like, uber fan service, but still kind of make it somewhat logical why it would happen. Um, but we also did get to see Voyager. And we got to see one of my favorite moments of this episode was seeing Seven uh, with um, with Jack reminiscing over, like, uh, over Voyager as like her home, and that was such a beautiful little moment, and it just shows you how good that actress is. You, you had you uh, had the original Enterprise, you had the the Bounty, you had the Defiant, you had Voyager, and everyone was like, "Well, where was uh um you know the Enterprise D?" And I'm like, "Does everyone forget that it was destroyed? Destroyed? <laughs> they brought it up already in the series." Um, but I'll say though the uh the Bounty was really cool to see so by the way the bounty dates back to star trek three and four everybody kept saying star trek four which it is right it but was it, used to go back in right, time but three is but it actually it... first appears in three when the uh when the original enterprise was destroyed yes so anyway uh did this make any sense to you emilia watching this did any of this like was it confusing it was definitely a bit confusing because like there's 
Well, they're they're like referencing old foes and stuff, like with the singing mm-hmm. and the and then like Picard's memories and stuff. And then they're like, "Oh, they stole his body." And I was like, "His body's right here on the screen." <laughs> but it's not oh. his body and i'm like has he been dead the whole time right this, this is <laughs> because in first season you you didn't watch the first season which but, the dumbest thing happens in the first well, season which still to this day i it annoys me they made this decision they they killed off his body in the first season and he has like a synthetic body so um the the android <laughs> yeah the, it's, it's stupid the, so in uh in next generation the android known as data um had a positronic body who's the first Fully operate uh, well. The body was positronic too. Sure. So, um, <laughs> like he was the most advanced uh, robotic slash AI life form there was, and um, the creator of that had a real life son who then tr- tries to uh, make a body for himself to be able to plant his memories in. And in the end of the first season, Picard's basically dying, and he gives up that perfect. "Quote unquote perfect body for Picard instead." And why he didn't get like a youthful young body is still a mystery to me. It's so weird. I I don't know why they did it. No, it, but, they did it, but then they like didn't have anything to do with the story with but the next you, season. So it just so it's just but, weird. Wait, so has has Data has always been an android though? Was yes, like wasn't correct. He never used to be a human. No, no, but he's actually the actor has guest starred as his father. As his great great grandfather, as his great 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 grandfather, and as his son, brother, it's like as his brother. brothers. Yeah. I guess you want to say. Why does yeah. Data age? <laughs> well, they explained it in this in a wacky way um, that like they, it's a new body that kind of has some organics in it, and like he's old. Okay. They, they really had to like work hard to get the explanation in. Yeah. So you're you're confused for the right reason. Yeah, I mean and- Brent. Brent Spiner is old, so to try and get him to look like how Data did, it's yeah. just not going to work. I mean, they could recast. They could have, but it just they could have. But yes. if you're bringing everyone else, then us back, fans would have been yeah, mad. If you're bringing everyone else back, that's not cool. Yeah, okay, that's yeah. fair. Uh, but okay, yeah. so Jean Luc was a normal flesh man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, gets sick, gets a non-flesh bot. Body dies. <laughs> body yep. dies. Yes. Your body is you, though. You know, like that. If your body dies, you die. You no, know? like <laughs> that's a good existential question. Oh god! <laughs> so they they like what they took I out think his brain. Therefore, I am. No, no, they they yeah, like well, they didn't take his brain they, out. They, they mapped his yeah. consciousness into the positronic network, yeah, and then so, they downloaded into a body that apparently has a time limit on it. Is that what Alden's Alden soon? So he's not immortal. He's not immortal, and and basically they said we know you wouldn't you wouldn't like that, so we made it so that your body was still like <laughs> yours. Again, it was a stretch. It was it was just for them to say, hey, we didn't know if we were going to get renewed for another season, but let's put in a loophole yeah. just in case. <laughs> that's okay. That's no, insane. and then they didn't even. What's crazy though is. Season two, they do nothing with this whole thing. You're like, okay, um, he has they one scene. They I will say they, happen, they have that one like, scene between him and uh, the Borg Queen. But story wise, there's like no purpose for it. And now they're like stuck in this. They wrote themselves into this corner that's really frustrating for me to watch. Okay. Um, so let's just brush past it and focus on the things we like about this episode. Like 
Captain Shaw fangirling <laughs> over Jordy was such a beautiful little moment. I'm, I've been really enjoying Shaw this entire journey that we've been on with him and seeing him geek out over it. One of the best engineers in all of Starfleet yes. was really cool. No, like uh, we talked about it. Worf was my favorite in the next generation, but right behind mm-hmm. him was Jordy with, with data in a close third. Yeah. Um, those were my favorite characters. Um, at times, Deanna Troy might make that list uh, depending on what season we're talking about. But, you know, seeing, Seeing Jordy uh, just immediately again. Anytime I see Levar Burton, but seeing Jordy yeah. really put a smile on my face. Me too, and I love his dynamic with his kids. Like the fact that he has his daughters that he has to now like parent. It it, it adds this element that Jordy never was given because on the show he was always just a little bit creepy with women, and that was it. Like he never got to do anything like that with actual relationships very well. So giving him this as his character is a really good like gift to. Levar Burton is so like you know he can act so here let's have him act with you know his daughters it's really it's a really cool and dramatic but also kind of for me it was it was also fun to see the differences in the dads you know Picard's technically the new dad I guess you want to say Uh, Riker's the the dad who has experienced the loss of a child and then you have Jordy who's trying to prevent anything bad from happening to his children at any cost basically yeah I mean, that is definitely the strong themes that are within all these episodes. And we'll see moving forward that they keep, they're staying very much in bounds with these themes, which I think are the tightest themes they've had (laughs) out of the last three seasons of Picard. This is the tightest season for that, of really sticking to a theme and seeing it play out through all the different characters. Um, But as much as I loved seeing Jordy, I think my favorite part of this entire episode was seeing Professor Moriarty showing back yes. up. Who is one of Picard's most dangerous enemies. What do they call Vedic? They're like, literally, Moriarty is, out of the entire TNG run, he was kind of Data's nemesis, yeah. but, um, but he literally is one of the most cunning and ruthless enemies who you almost root for? Like I would love like, for you to watch those episodes, Emilia, because he he's he was in a couple episodes. Two, yeah, and and it's all have to do with the holodeck, mm-hmm. and it's truly one some of the most weird and interesting uh, episodes well, that they did. You're rooting for him because you completely understand what he's looking for, what he's like. You understand his motivations, whereas you know I loved reading the old, uh, um. The, the old Holmes books and mm-hmm. like Moriarty was, was evil to kind of just be evil in those books here. He well, had, he a was, purpose. but he also was, what I love it though, is he was the one person who was c- cunning enough to face off against Sherlock and that's how he's invented. So what happens, Emily is data is on the holodeck doing these Sherlock Holmes programs. And they say, design somebody, a villain that would be good enough to outsmart data. So the computer, like the whole ship almost shuts down with the effort it takes to, de- to design this thing. And that's where Moriarty comes in. And he's but the, the different than any other hol- hologram is that he becomes self-aware that he's a hologram. And it's like, it's such a cool idea of like you were saying, what is it to be alive? 
they really explore this and and he he comes back in the second episode that is potentially even better than the first one it's like anyway he's such an interesting villain so it was uh, again an easter egg for us and he's probably just a one-off he's in like two two scenes or two shots so was he kind of just a cameo like literally moriarty from the sherlock holmes books or yes yes and no yes Yes, he's the embodiment of that but he's a holographic then he becomes his own yeah but then he becomes his own person out of it um, so yeah, that was a really good, um, like like a little cameo, but it also was it made sense again that it was coming from Data's mind. I do like that dynamic because like later you see Data with like little Sherlock Holmes accoutrements and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, it feels very fitting. But something that I was just wondering: um, Does Riker canonically have perfect pitch? Uh, close to it. Yeah, he's a he's a trombone player, a jazz enthusiast. Oh, yes. Uh, throughout all of TNG, he has concerts where he's a trombone, like he has trombone solos that yep. he just <laughs> rips. Found a way to sneak it into so many episodes. <laughs> he just because rips I'm in on that the actual actor can play trombone, and that's why they wanted to do it. Yes, yes, um, I, I assume. So. Yeah. So, well, I mean, that doesn't necessarily mean you have perfect pitch, but uh, I was, I was the annoying person who then went and was like. Is he right when he was like saying the notes? Because <laughs> um, first he he identifies something as F sharp. And I'm like, okay, that is F sharp. And then okay. he's like, oh, it's it's B flat D flat. It was actually B flat A flat. And then, oh. and then he says C flat C sharp A flat, which is correct. But I but he's like mixing accidentals. I don't know why because he you just stay in the same key, and you know he doesn't have to mix his. His sharps and flats, but this is you can blame the writers for that probably <laughs> more than him because you know they had to write this yeah, out. They, so it's not like they played that on set it. for yeah, exactly. Like, he could have just said D flat, A flat. Makes it complicated to say C sharp. <laughs> I find this uh, less frustrating than the Picard's body thing. It's but not I get frustrating. Where you're from. I just I just <laughs> okay. felt like someone needed to be someone needed to test how good his his pitch was. No, I, the the thing is, I read this also on on an article saying that you that they messed that up, and I was like, yeah, that's got that's the writers though. You can't really blame as Norman said, you can't blame. And they're uh, not playing it on uh, set. Uh, yeah, they're not playing it on set for him, that's so true. he's just reading whatever the script says. Yeah, also, no offense, um, but like, it's a really easy thing to not mess up, writers. Yeah, that's really <laughs> on the. I'm telling you, these writers, man. <sighs> but again, like Picard's body. Noise me a little more, and some things coming up in the next few episodes. I will well, harp on a little bit. Well, let's not forget we get James T. Kirk appearance too. When? In this episode? On this episode, while they're going through all the all through everything, we get to see not only uh, the Genesis machine. Oh, that's we also right. see okay. yes, uh, yes. James T. Kirk. You mean like on the screens? On, on the, the screens going by, James T. Screens, Kirk. Yeah. Sorry, I thought you meant he actually was like in the episode. I was like, what? How did I miss this? <laughs> All right. Yes. Understood. <clears throat> yeah. Lots of fun little this, Easter eggs on this one. It was again. This was it was totally fan. This was one hundred percent fan service. But like the it kind of it kind of mo- it mostly felt organic. Um, especially, yeah. especially in uh, Daystrom. In Daystrom, everything felt one hundred percent organic. In the Fleet Museum, uh, not as much organic, but close enough. But fun. Yeah. I literally, I was like, I knew what they were doing, and I still was grinning. So, you know what I mean. All right. Any other questions about this episode before we move on? Are there or things we want to point out that we liked or disliked? 
No. I'm... Okay, well, let's go to episode seven, Dominion. So in this episode, crippled, cornered, and out of options, Picard stages a gambit to trap Vedic and reveal her true motive, a gamble that puts the Titan in the crosshairs and forces Picard and Beverly to question every moral code they've ever held. Thank you, IMDb. Um, by the way, this one kicks off with one of my favorite Vulcans. And I mean, I kind of love all the Vulcans throughout Star, Star Trek history, but we get Tuvok. So Tuvok was from Voyager, and you get this really cool little emotional scene between Tuvok and uh, Seven where she's trying to figure out if he's a changeling or not, and then he like goes full-on changeling, and he gets all that, all the emotion comes out, and then she gets to get all angry and righteous. It's kind of a really wonderful moment. Did that land with you, Emilia, since you don't have the background of you know Voyager and all that stuff? I think so. I mean, it, it was <clears throat> it was nice to see her do like a, a double trust test because like you know you can never be too careful especially at this point mm-hmm. and so it shows that like seven is smart but still like kind of sentimental because like it truly does pain her mm-hmm. like you see palpable relief followed by palpable sadness <laughs> um, yeah and like we get all these reunions uh with the tng cast and this is like a voyager reunion that does not have a happy ending on it I, I did see the whole like because they they've they've kind of gone with the morality question with the changelings and like mm-hmm. we're humanizing the bads and I kind of saw that coming because you know it's like a reboot and that's yeah. what that's what you do is you try to complicate what you've already what you've already done so yeah uh, I'm glad they went this route because well although. I'm curious what you all think, because this is my first time seeing the changelings. Yeah. And we talked about it a little bit last time where I was like, are they 100% bad? And the answer was like, yeah, kind of, but not always. And so now going in and they're actively making them have motives and, and be seen as victims as well. Like, is that does that land? Because for yeah. me, it does, because they we all, I only just met them. <laughs> Well, it it does. I mean, Norm. I don't. I know Norm hasn't fully finished Deep Space Nine yet. So no, but but it. but thanks Picard <laughs> for ruining the entire ending of the series. It kind of did because it's really crazy. The Dominion War is so so traumatic on uh, the Federation, and there's all this. You know, the Federation has all these wonderful ideals that get qu- put to the test and questioned to survive this war with the Dominion, and part of it is the Changelings infiltrate like what they're doing now they were infiltrating starfleet it was like it's really tense and and what ends up happening is this crazy moral thing where they they literally almost commit genocide on the changelings so even in deep space nine they're they play with that whole morality and even though they're the villains they you know they're still like do you can you justify literally genocide of your enemy like it's kind of a messed up thing and then what happens is Starfleet g- gave them the uh, the antidote, so they, they they didn't kill them all off. But you know, in war, that's it's you know morality kind of gets thrown out the window in war, especially total war, like what they were fighting. So yeah, I I think they actually, I w- I'm with you with this, Emilia. Instead of just making them must- mustache twirling by ha- them seeing themselves as as victims, is really important, like to get their perspective. And well, my notes for this were like, finally, we get. Vedic story, like without that backstory, to so we can understand where she's coming from. Like that character sucks, and now that uh, that was revealed, I like that character a lot more. 
I wish they would have done it sooner personally. Um, yeah. Or at least hinted at or did some, did some teasing of this up until now because we're on episode seven, right? Mm-hmm. Seven. Like this is this show's already two thirds of the way over and now we finally understand who these villains are. Like that to me just seems like they could have maybe they preloaded hinted. the whole thing with it. And would they still, yeah, I, give I, it we a still don't know what the deal is with the, the goot. The ooze face that comes out of her hand. <laughs> yeah, that she cuts her well, hand and has the ooze face, which is the Great Link, by the way. Which, or well, I don't know if we discussed. Might not this. be the actual Great Link, but it's you're right. It's probably it's a newer Great uh, new yeah. version of it. Um, I want to I want to point out yeah. though, like as now that I'm almost through, I'm I'm like a couple episodes away from the last season of Deep Space mm-hmm. Nine. Um, as I'm going through and whatnot, I am. Pr- this is all pretty fresh for me. The changelings when you first meet them are almost mustache twirling villains because their whole entire thing mm-hmm. is like oh millennia uh, thousands of years ago uh the solids which by the way i love uh vatic's uh effing yeah. solids um remark uh they persecuted the changelings so the changelings are like fine we're gonna go all out war on all of you and if you watch deep space nine, they do uh, several atrocities that you just cannot, Mm -hmm. you're like, wow, these people are not good at all. They're hard. Yeah. So like the Federation then being like, okay, well, if we have to match their ruthlessness, then that's what we have to do to win. You see the fallout there. You create other zealots and you create, Mm -hmm. you know, you create Vatic, but yeah, they're, they're, they're playing in the line of, of the gray area that D space nine did so well, Better than any other Star Trek property. Yeah, but like for her to be like, oh, uh, I was experimented on and this and that. And I'm like, I'm like, I watched Deep Space Nine. Your people were not <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, you uh, I was I was just at the one but where they I, cursed I, the entire planet. Yeah, that was fun. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's the thing is you, you can understand, though, that somebody is going to always view what was done to them as worse than what, the, you know, the kind of justifying the their actions while oh, you know it, ra- raging against their enemies you know it, to me it makes complete sense and honestly i i still don't like this character no no but it, i respect the character more that it's actually she has a backstory yeah no they they, they i love the fact that they gave her motivation whether or not yeah, i exactly. whether or not i think that motivation is put into proper Justified. context <laughs> in this yeah. show um, that's something different because, again, Emilia, you haven't seen these other uh, series, so you don't know what the context is there. So you're probably like, wow, what, Star- what Starfleet did was really messed up but until you find out what they did on Deep Space Nine. And you're like, well, yeah, maybe yeah. not. Yeah, no, it's interesting because now right now it's just kind of like, you know, you don't know. Th- I don't know the specific context. I know that bad things happened, but yeah. <laughs> Since I've only seen with my eyes, like the the torture, the torturous experiments ran, run on the changelings, I'm just sort of like, oh man, that seems really, you know, bad, and like that seems really, uh, like a uh, self righteous of the Federation, and and almost mm-hmm. a little, a little imperialist, you know. So it doesn't seem very cool at all. But if, but you know, I'm missing a huge part of the picture, obviously. <laughs> But isn't it funny, though, um, how the Federation, you know, is supposed to have all these ideals. And it turns out like they're I'm s- sensing the theme of this season, too. And just what they're doing with the storytelling is the Federation has strayed very far from its original ideals. 
And I'm actually okay with that because it's a good theme. If they, because nothing is perfect because like it, that. They need to, yeah, exactly. And we, you need to. Every generation has to reinvent it, right? You have to reinvent what it means. You, that's progress. I would say, yeah, exactly. <laughs> if you, if you're not constantly reinventing what it means, if you're not constantly trying to shoot for a better tomorrow, once you reach a milestone, yep. yeah, you might. It might be time for you to lay down and be like, okay, this is as far as I can go. But that doesn't mean the next yeah. guy can't – or the next woman and the next whatever, alien or, or whatever, Android. Android, can't go further. That is progress and that's how you keep going. Otherwise, progress. we'd still be in caves and, and like you know building mud huts. Yeah. And that's what I love about Star Trek. And that's what I'm hoping they're going to do because it's something that we have to now ask ourselves because it's interesting seeing these discussions about people who are like – a lot of these new Star Trek series are like, this doesn't feel like Star Trek. Like, what happened to the soul of Star Trek, which was this optimistic view of the future? It's like, you know what? Yeah, we should have to get there again and let's reinvent it. And so I'm all, I'm fine with them breaking it down and deconstructing it as long as we get it back, <laughs> you know? So anyway, that's my hope. And to move on to some other kind of like things I liked about this episode and things that are kind of complaints mi- mixed into one is... um. What happened with Jack? I mean, I, I guess it's part of the storytelling, but Jack Crusher suddenly turned into Neo from the Matrix, and he's doing like this crazy kung fu stuff. Um, I do love the. He's the very special. Sid- okay, he's very special, <laughs> mind you. He's very special. Well, um, so I'm so confused. I'm 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 cur- I'm a little nervous because of what they've done with Picard in season one and two, where I'm like, where are you guys going with? Do this? you remember <laughs> there was a. Uh... There was a Q episode where Q puts him back in time to his younger self, and he's like, "Would you make the same choices? Would you get the Dude, same?" That people? is one of the best tapestry. It's called. It's one of the best Star Trek episodes ever of any series. So okay, I, I should. I'm sorry for uh, questioning <laughs> you, sir, um, but it plays with the idea of like it actually touches upon why Jean Luc and his aromatic syndrome made him more of a formidable fighter than you would think is because his reflexes and his like way of thinking was so supercharged. And Jack has that same thing, except for now in the modern context, you can really show that stuff off. Yeah, but is it... I I feel like they're doing something more with him, which we'll get into more in the next episode. But uh, so he's becoming a superhero, though, and I'm not sure how I feel about it. We'll see. It could could be... So wait till the reveal. They, they wait till the reveal. Stick the landing. We'll wait yeah. for the reveal. But uh, I do really enjoy though uh, Jack and Sydney. Uh, Sydney LaForge. Um, LaForge. The, I'm I'm loving that dynamic. And part of me, and I, I said this on our Twitter, is if what comes of Picard season three is the Titan show or whatever spinoff le- um, legacy is what they're calling it, and if it's if it's Shaw as a captain with these, with he cr- Jack Crusher and Sidney LaForge, I would be super happy. Like that for me would be a fine, uh, you know, reason to have Picard season three. I mean, uh, he is very popular right now with uh, <laughs> uh, with fans. fans like, yeah. uh, um, I'm trying to think of the uh, actor's Jack? name right now. Uh, no, Liam Shaw. Um, oh. Uh, yeah, Todd Stashwick. Please. Thank you. Sorry, Todd Stashwick. Uh, he he is getting a lot of love online from tons of different Star Trek fans, and I think they, unless something ha- now, there's a couple episodes left. If anything yeah. happens to him, I understand why they won't do a show. But with this yeah. kind of fan reaction, and if he's still alive at the end, if they don't do a show, they're yeah. missing something. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think he's just. <sighs> 
because he they had such a great um about face with him where like he he somehow perfectly crosses the crosses the line between like hateable and lovable and yes. he just danced right over it and i was like how did that even happen <laughs> because he explains yeah. like they, they give him the moments to explain why he's doing what he's doing and he's also like he's also growing you're seeing him learn from not just picard and, and well, well, Riker a little bit but like laforge is right there and what seven of nine is doing seven, by standing yeah. up and being like my name's seven like i'm like yeah. You go, girl. Like, I love this. Yeah. 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 Um, and f- before we move on from this episode and go to the final one, uh, Surrender, I just want to say the the data lore, <laughs> that's such a classic data moment where he's like jumps between his evil twin brother and himself. Got such a tickle. Um, I don't know if that lands for you, Emilia, but that's like he usually would play these two characters on screen, right? And he would he'd be like cutting back and forth. So seeing him just be able to in, be in character and jump back and forth is kind of awesome. I mean, and kind of hilarious. I think I think he pulls it off very well. Um, it's good to know that he has a history of doing this. And um, it the thing is about when you when an actor has to play like two people in the same body, like it, I feel like it always ends up just being like a look at me look at me act like a showing off <laughs> yes it, that's what i said acting cla- acting classes in session is what i was joking about on my uh, notes i'm gonna bring it up i i i don't think brent can uh i don't think brent can do the data that much that close anymore um i i just think like it's too i think he's been out of it too long to do it too long yeah. uh because it, he has to be very straight face and it's just not working as much now i get like now they gave him the out, like, listen, we understand. They gave him we the understand, out. They understand, like, but no, like, you're some way human body. Yeah. yeah. But it's, it's, um, it's not, yeah. he's not quite nailing data as he used to. And I get it. And, but like, he's still doing, he's still doing a fine job. And I still love uh, Brent for, for yeah. all he's done. But like, it's like, ah, oh, it's not quite there. Uh, one last complaint about the episode before we leave is that, my God, is Picard the worst tactician now? Is he, did he just get old? Every one of his plans end in disaster. I mean, uh, they were like, anyway. we're like, oh, we've got to kill the, ch- we've got to kill Vatic. And then they're like, okay. And then they're like, should we stare at each other for a couple more minutes and give her the chance to escape? Yeah, let's do that. And then they turn around. They're just like, okay, let's do it. Uh-oh. Here we go with their guns. <laughs> Also, <laughs> also Beverly being like, I don't know if I should do anything because this goes on genetics, which is can lead to genocide. Genocide. I'm like, oh boy, here we go with the slippery slope ideas. Like, yeah. come on, tracking them is one thing, but also, literally, they were like, let's have them come on our ship with guns and take us hostage. Then we'll turn the tables on them. Good planning, bro. Uh, also, I'm anyway. just sorry, but like, how do you? How does they decide to kill her? How does she slip through your fingers like that? She was locked up because because yeah. Lore decided to have some fun. Lore, like, like yeah, but, but still, I I agree can't with you. Shoot it's not fast enough. Look, they're old. No, they did pew pew and missed. <laughs> they're old. <laughs> and sorry, so, I'm old. That's what they, they should have said. When they turn into ooze, they are they just immune. To no, gunshots? no, they're not. No, not at they all. They just missed. They just missed again. Just Picard's old. They're, they're both old, and it's dark. <laughs> Lucas is not that dark. <laughs> My camera. We, we we have talked about like the lighting on this show being a little dismal, and it's yeah, <laughs> it's time to uh, 
to turn the lights up. Definitely turn the lights on. Exactly. <laughs> just felt like they were. All right, well, moving, let's move on. So, okay. Okay. Yeah. They're old. We're gonna move on to surrender. <laughs> episode eight, surrender. Because uh, there's more to complain about this episode, <laughs> even though I there are some really great moments as well. Uh, so Vedic forces Picard to make an impossible choice: deliver what he can, never give, or watch his crew perish. Their only salvation lies in the mind of an old friend and old foe. Um, we get some really cool character moments in this episode because it starts with uh, Deanna and Will. Who so they had an on again, off again relationship all through TNG. The next generation and then in the movies they kind of formally got together um and now and then in picard season one you see that they had children together so you know this is great to see them finally have some screen time just the two of them which we never really get um and it, it took us till episode eight to get diana troy who was one of the main characters who did get kind of shafted with her storytelling uh, often in uh the next generation so kind of feel like they're doubling down what i did hear though is that she lives in london <laughs> so for her it was like i will come for this week whatever to film and so you know getting her scheduling probably was one of the reasons they waited so long to bring her back yeah she she's a tough cookie to get um but uh she's also just at comic-con like i i, I love uh uh how do you say her first name is it mira Oh wait, her actual name yeah. for the actress. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, let me see. Let me go to the episode. Marina, Marina Sirtis. Yeah, like she's she's uh of the entire cast. She seems she's definitely the hothead of the entire group. Uh, she is. 100% like a uh the English footballer type like the 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 brawling <laughs> nice. football thug she is that I love her for it but nice. at the same time like she scares me in real life like <laughs> she is not a very big person but when you meet her you're like she's really like 8 foot tall in there like you you just don't yeah. realize it and she's scary and I love her for again I love her for it um <laughs> there's actually a really great moment in Comic-Con where a fan was trying to tell uh, the entire crew that they grew up and it gave them hope and and she started crying and she got down off the stage, ran out into the crowd and gave her a hug. And it was, it was beautiful. And again, she's a great, a great person. I'm not much, but like, it seems like she doesn't really want to be there. She's like the Harrison Ford. (laughs) She's the Harrison Ford of this group. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I get that. Uh, I did love, by the way, the line where she's like, He's like, how was the um, the change? Well, good and bad and bad at making pizza. And then he's like, oh, my God, that's just like me. It was a really <laughs> hilarious moment. Um, and then Worf shows up to the rescue. Great moment. Which, by the way, Worf had a thing with Deanna back on in The Next Generation. So that's kind of what they were playing at, the whole, like, tension. But he gets married in Deep Space that. Nine. <laughs> I'm there. He gets married in oh, Deep he... Space Nine, and I'm there. He does. Yeah. Don't yes. ruin this. So, but they, they did. I... They did have a fling. I'm, I'm just, just saying they had a I'm fling. I'm just saying. Do you remember the, okay. the fact that, like, uh, I'm actually wondering when he like comes back and and he like is talking to Diana and, and saying all those. I guess what uh, counts as Klingon flirting. Um, I'm just wondering, like. I'm like, uh, is he doing this just to get at Riker? Because if so, that's great. I love it. But <laughs> <laughs> no, he's trying to be a better person. As we see, even that line that I, you know, was going to mail all of you a 
the heads of my enemies, <laughs> but I was told it would be passive aggressive, which, you know, Worf passive consistently aggressive for a Klingon, I guess. <laughs> for a Klingon, yeah, which makes sense. But that for me, like Worf is the saving grace for this entire show. But um, but no, th- this what really worked this episode was the character moments. So like those moments with Worf and, and Will and Deanna. And then for me, I'm going to skip all the way to the end, but when Data and Jordy have their moments when when they're together and he's like, I'm just so glad to have my friend back. I was like tearing up because I hadn't seen those two characters together since Next Generation. Since so to Nemesis. see those two characters. Oh, Nemesis. Yes, you're right. The last movie was when that was the death of Data. Uh, so seeing him come back, like it was really like a pleasure to see those two characters who were like the best buds during the, uh, the run of Next Generation. So. Yeah, this episode... I, again is full of moments that are are wasted upon me but like yeah. <laughs> um there it's it's again the, like the bands back together vibes mm-hmm. but i was getting i just felt like there was some serious doctor who vibes because i think star trek and doctor who sometimes occupy a similar energetic space They're spiritual yeah spiritual cousins or something because there's like this like because the, their their plan one their plan one of their plans finally works and everybody's like running through the halls triumphing about their teamwork and it's like this like great rallying moment and I'm like that is such a rebooted Doctor Who's Russell T Davies finale <laughs> moment and and then but then of course at the end they 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 pull it back where they're like but there's still more episodes left Jack has this there's this menacing <laughs> yeah, you, you got to end on a cliffhanger the spooky that's door classic TV writing and the spooky door yeah. is a scary door esque as well. Um, since I don't watch Doctor Who that's lost on me but I'm I uh, okay I'll take your word for it the thing that I loved was the Avatar moment the last airbunder yeah are you you talking about oh wait where where uh, Data and War are battling and you see the the red and the blue and like all of a sudden the red's consuming the blue it's almost gone and at the very end you just see the blue just yeah and data wins i mean i i really enjoyed that again this is like total fan service stuff but you see but it makes sense because it's like in data's mind but we get to see all this stuff from his past which is really cool and did you see the tasha yar statue of course i did okay so tasha yar was who data lost his virginity to in season um, one next generation in season one because she doesn't um, make it to season two and she (laughs) she got killed off partly because of the producers it was kind of a a misogynistic jerk and partly because she wanted to go on to bigger and better things um but came back as as a alternate reality version of herself and her daughter is actually really and her daughter very cool storylines too which you know seems silly like how are you bringing this character back and they did it really well the execution of that was great but uh it was fun to see those little moments and i have to admit the this is the end this is actually the death of lore not that he can't come back ever (laughs) But but it was kind of cool to see like Data and Lore finally have that like where they he defeated Lore not by killing him but by incorporating him into himself and I thought that was kind of beautiful like the thing that made Lore evil is he didn't have the memories the influences the good people around him and so like That's a- by having that he becomes Data well that the- is another like very Doctor Who esque kind of solution yeah mm-hmm. where it's yeah. like you must well, kill them that is you a classic that is a classic Star Trek a classic Star Trek yeah instead of using you know, violence, you use, you know, empathy yeah. to and understanding. Speaking to of which, uh, you, you said that like uh, maybe a teary eyed moment for you was uh, him, uh, Data and Jordy. My teary eyed moment 
shockingly because I hate cats was when he brought up Spot and he was talking oh, about Spot, Spot and I'm like yeah. oh my god this is so beautifully done he taught me to love <laughs> he did though oh. honestly Spot so Spot was Data's cat and I shared on our Slack channel um, the poem he created for Spot which is one of my favorite <laughs> things of all time um, but you know yeah Spot was a was a cool that was a really cool uh, callback and honestly it worked good from an emotional point and from a story point it really made sense uh for that moment so a cat taught him how um, to love <laughs> yeah it was his it was his responsibility it was his responsibility he like it's funny because in the show he treats it like a child at times and so much so that like i, I believe jordy at one point is like like data it's a cat <laughs> you know yeah. that checks out there's a there's a prison somewhere in the world that gives its prisoners cats if they're on good behavior and they get to keep the cat as long as they stay on good behavior. And it actually has done like wonders for no, like, I, rates of recidivism yeah, and like something. good behavior. The best was, <laughs> is Data tries to always like rationalize with his cat. And you know, you're like, that doesn't work. It's a cat. Like, and that's kind of that where the humor comes from. You don't rationalize with a cat. You don't rationalize with the feline. No. Um, but yeah, so th- those were great moments. Like I said, all the character moments really worked for me. And I'll tell you... The blowing Vedic out of the airlock, whatever it was cool. Like I, that's such a good classic space death scene. I'm so sick of people falling to their deaths in movies. It's such like a a trope. Like you don't because you don't want to you want to like kill the person, but you don't want to violently do it. So it just gravity does it. So you're kind of off the hook. That's the equivalent in space, but it's just so much cooler in space. Well, it's cooler because you know they I mean? freeze, and then of course they freeze. upon impact, Vedic yeah. shatters, which is always yeah. a fun thing to see. Very T one thousand. It's definitely yeah. more gruesome. <laughs> yeah. I mean, obviously, someone splatting on the ground is very gruesome, too, but usually you don't see it. <laughs> no, but depressurizing and freezing, you know, that's it's just a brutal way to go. And uh, yeah, it was just I love those. Uh, that was a really cool, like clever trick. You know, you thought he had the grenade and then he presses it. And it's a shield. And then Seven gets her little one liner in like, get off my bridge. <laughs> It was cool. I, I was. I thought they ended that storyline well, um, and then we get you know, like you said, the band back together, seeing all the crew together. I was like, God, I can't believe it took eight episodes to get here. Here we are. I'm glad everybody's here. So what? What is uh, Riker's uh, Deanna? Yes, Deanna. Troll. Deanna. Yeah. Well, Deanna Riker like, now. <laughs> what is her? Oh yes. Oh, she, what's her deal? She's she's an empath. well. So she comes from a race of uh, beings called Betazoids. From Beta Zed, <laughs> and they're telepathic, except for she's only half. So all she can do is is read emotions. Um, she can yeah. kind of speak with other Betazoids uh, telepathically, but not humans. Um, oh, so she literally is an empath and not yes. like a yes. I, I'm yeah, something she, of an empath, exactly. Okay. <laughs> and I'll say that her, on the show, on the Next Generation, her mother, who is one of my favorite characters, who's even better in D Space Nine, by the way, who is a full Betazoid um, who can read minds, whatever. She is played by uh, Gene Roddenberry's wife. Oh, that's fun. And throughout and, all and, the earlier series, she's the voice of the computer too, right? Yes, she's also the voice of the computer. Oh, for, through almost the entire yeah, series, I mean. yeah. For everything. So they were actually even saved her voice to try to be like, oh, we're going to use it for Star Trek. And now you can just like copy people's voices so easy anyway. I don't know why they bothered. But anyway, yeah, she's uh, she's like royalty, Star Star Trek royalty. So, uh, and 
by far a very divisive character on Next Generation and Deep Space Nine. But now I think looking back, people are like she's held up as like one of the best, uh, most interesting characters. <clears throat> and there you go. Anything else you all want to add before we move on? We do have to talk about theories, but any more moments or or pet peeves, dislikes? Um, yeah, the 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 whole uh, I I want them I wanted them to have revealed what's up with Jack by now, only because I feel like if they do it now and there's only a few more episodes left, we're gonna just snowball over that, which might mean. Star Trek legacy is going to be Jack's story, mm-hmm. which is fine. But at the same time, it's like, I want it to be about a crew. I like it when it's a crew. Yeah, like, but I, 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 I'm worried about that too, Norm. I'm it, that to me, this is the thing that's going to make this series work or not is if that is, if that works, if they make it silly. And I feel terrible for Beverly Crusher. She had one son that became like a superhuman space traveler. Like now she's got another one. Maybe this is more her fault than even Picard's for all we <laughs> yeah, know. Yeah, you're blaming but, that um, aromatic syndrome on Picard, but what's up with your <laughs> DNA there, Crusher? Yeah, exactly. And uh, and also, what the heck is going on with Picard's body? <laughs> I'm like, well, is he that special though? Like. I don't know. Like the whole every the two loose threads now at this point, which are Jack Crusher and Picard's body. I'm like, there's some DNA thing going on, but I'm like, they don't need to be superheroes. That's the thing. St- yes, don't do that. It cheapens everything if they're superheroes. It's, it's like, special it's so that they're not. They're just, you know. Yes. Uh, so I'm really getting nervous that they're going to do some silly stuff here. Um, but but my theory, if to, for them to get out of this, if I was going to write this, um, <clears throat> it would be that. What what could you do with Picard's body that wouldn't be cheesy? I mean, normally I would say they're going to pose as him. They'd send like a doppelganger of him, but he's like wanted by the Federation, no. so it's like, okay, go go ahead, go ahead. No, so like, what is it? What are they going to do? He's going to like, I'm here to, and they're like, put him in prison. Well, <laughs> so I, I think they needed certain parts of his body to be able to fool the full body scans because they said, oh, they took part of his the the parts of his cells that have the carry the aromatic syndrome. It was like, okay, well, if you're going to completely try and fool someone about that with the new uh, evolved changelings, you're probably going to have to incorporate that into the changeling to try and get them to full, uh, full it. I think that's one part. I think everyone's thinking that it's a combination of Jack and Picard that need to like happen together to make some superhero BS. I don't think that's what it is. I think to fully trick people into believing that that's Picard, they need, they needed those parts of Picard's body. And then there's a separate wall and then something with Jack on the other side. Okay. I'm ass- I'm assuming he at s- at some point, maybe I-, I I don't know maybe Wesley came to visit his mom and and uh, he was part of the Great Link at one point or something like that and then passed something on to his mom I don't know <laughs> yeah yeah I mean I just don't know where they're going with this and all the things I was thinking about where they could be going with it I'm not happy with so I'm hoping they surprise me. <laughs> Yeah, I, there was some I just want to talk know. about Lucutus of Borg. So, by the way, uh, Picard was turned into a Borg for a while, and so like there was talk about maybe he still has some Borg DNA mixed in there too. So they're going to try to recreate Lucutus, who is like, and I'm like, I don't know. That was some chatter I read on the internet. I don't know. I don't really agree with it. Well, but ooh, 
wait a minute. In, in the beginning of the series, um, they reference uh, they they reference the Borg that there's two Borgs. There was the Borg from season two that ended up coming out of season two yeah. when uh, the Borg Queen assimilated with Doctor. Yeah, the, the Borg that understands consent. Yes, yeah. yes, that one. Um, and then there's the old Borg, and I'm wondering if the that wasn't the Great Link. Maybe it was. Maybe it was the original Borg Queen. Hmm, maybe. In which case, making Luke trying to get Locutus to come back actually makes sense. But like a Borg changeling alliance. Oh, that's scary. Kind of interesting, right? That could actually work. That's, what would that that's look like? Scary as all hell. Yeah. All I know is that maybe that's where they're leading to. The red door has to be linked to the to Picard's body because this is at some point this is this show has to be about like the that fatherhood that father son story. You're right. The theme. You're right. I don't know what yet. Mm. Well, my. Yeah, he's going to be able to control Picard's body like a puppet. My final thought or my final idea will be that at the very, very end, Picard has to sacrifice, has to make the choice of either sacrificing himself for not only his son, but obviously for the rest of his team um, or, you know, like they'll all die. And I think he's going to do it. And that's how they're going to write Picard off. I think Picard is going to go out as being the self-sacrifice. But that that almost feels too easy. Like, of course, I okay. I've only known Picard for this these few episodes, but it just seems so obvious that mm-hmm. he would do that. He's lived a life. He, yeah. he it would be for his family, his his Starfleet family, and his biological family. But it also gives it the full circle effect. Whereas if you watch Next Generation, find out that. He hated the idea of having kids, of passing on legacy and all that stuff, um, that he just wanted to be one and done on his own. I think that completely brings that arc to a, a close. So self-sacrificing for to realize that Starfleet is your family acknowledges the fact that you did at least have a family, which is something he was against. And then also the fact that he actually has a son. I think also brings it even further around that it can be like, well, it also closes off that loop more, but I, I get what you mean, Emilia. I, I just, I just, that's what I'm sensing. Yeah, I can see that. All right. Well, I think that's all of our coverage for our Picard episode six, seven, eight until next, until next week or in two weeks, three weeks, two weeks in two weeks, we'll be covering Picard episodes nine and 10. So long. There goes the Admiral. I'm going to miss him. Lucas missed him again. Funny how that happens. Well, I'm, not, I'm not even bringing it up anymore. This is, Lucas is just missing out. He doesn't want to meet the Admiral. He doesn't want to meet the Admiral. It's fine. He's missing out. Yeah. Yeah. So make sure you subscribe to The Verse wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Apple, Google, Audible, Spotify, etc. I just say it slowly because it's very easy to stumble over that list of podcast providers. Make sure you share us with a friend or on your social media pages. And if you tag us, we will give you a shout out. Speaking of which, a big shout out to all of our listeners. We really appreciate your support. So if you're one of our listeners and you subscribe, this one's for you. Okay. Look out for some big things to come as well. 
So until next time, if you want to follow me, Lucas, you can follow me at Luconian Logic on Instagram, Twitter, VRChat, and Twitch. And if you want to follow me, Norm Felker, you can follow me on Twitter at random underscore white guy and on Twitch at random underscore white underscore guy. Nice. Uh, if you want to follow Bridget, who is on a secret mission still, uh, you can find her on Twitter and on Instagram as uh, Bridget Brogan Bridget. 16. Bridget Brogan 16. I was, my brain just stopped for a second. <laughs> <laughs> If you want to follow me, you can find me on Twitter at EmilyAU. And finally, there's our producer, Stephen Prusikowski, who last I saw was getting ejected out of an airlock. I hope he held his breath. I don't think it works um, that way. <laughs> I really don't. <laughs> don't. Don't look out the window. <laughs> uh, but he can be found on Twitter and Letterboxd as at FilmSnork. Well, there's our music. Thanks for listening. Keep sending in those questions and comments on our Twitter page at The Versecast, and we'll see you next time in The Verse. The Verse is presented by ScreenRadar.com and produced by Stephen Kruzikowski. Man, that note from BB has got me thinking. What was she warning us about? Could be anything. Any guesses? Uh, knowing BB, it might have something to do with her Heelys again. Oh, yeah. Those things are a liability and not very useful in space, to be honest. <laughs> no, it's, it's, but leave it to BB, you know. I've warned her like so many times. Do not use those near the airlock. She's going to end up like our producer. Get blasted <laughs> out of the airlock. Maybe she went out to go find him. <laughs> Maybe she wanted to go find Cronsworth again. Don't even start. Yeah, please, no. Although you're probably right. Did we, like, offend her last episode, though? I'm trying to think. We're, we're always offending her. <laughs> I'm just making sure we did, because you... My, my presence it. on the ship alone offends her. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe she went out to go uh, find some less garbage taste, am I right? <laughs> Or maybe she went to the garbage dump looking for the stuff she likes. Yeah, yeah. The garbage <laughs> store called. They want their taste back. <laughs> yeah. And I'm the one who's called mean. <laughs> well, she's not here. We could punch. She could be our punching bag for it. Yeah, and I'll try and I'll try and Honestly, find though, her back. I want to. I I want a secret mission. I'm a little jealous. <laughs> Why does she get to go on all the secret missions? Well. You know, you can, you can, you know, maybe I'll try, I'll try and call her back. <clears throat> My boy. <laughs> yeah. Nothing. She's not, she's, she's not in, in <laughs> no. calm range. <laughs>